I'm Chase Gasper, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loons podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson and i'm joined by calm williams cal i don't i don't uh i don't have an opening bet to, uh, uh what do you want to talk about i always you know i feel like I, I always spring something on you um I, I i didn't ask you to prepare anything but what's um what's on your mind today the correct pronunciation of hertha bsa hertha bsa hertha berlin okay and it's Hertha Berlin Sports Club, but it's Hertha BSA. Be, is it BSA or BSA? BSC, basically, right, right, the right. way the Germans BSA. pronounce BSA. It's BSA. Erta. So I'm sick of people calling them Hertha. Her, Bertha <laughs> is what we've been calling them around the office, So, because uh, that's funnier. Um, it is. Yes, Hertha. Uh, okay, that's good. Uh, pronunciation is important. I've been working on my Duolingo. Um, mm. I'm trying to work on my Spanish. I picked that up a little bit again. Um but I'm still not good at Spanish. Um, I can kind of understand it, I think. Uh, one of the problems is that as you're learning a language, I feel like it, for my professional purposes, I need a very specific set of things to, to know how to say. I need to be able to conjugate certain verbs and, and, and speak to players about certain things and then say things like, you know, cross and the box mm-hmm. and goal and strike. And instead I'm learning things about like, professors and university <laughs> like universidad and mm-hmm. i'm like i don't need like this is i now i can order apples from a waitress okay um you i mean know, you might need manzanas. to do that. so but like i i don't you know it's um i, I mean duolingo is very nice i recommend it for anybody apparently i was sort of inspired by uh tommy thompson i believe who uh, there was a story on him on mlssoccer.com talking about uh how he has sort of embraced learning spanish with matias almeida coming on and how um it's brought him closer to his teammates. So, okay. um, so yeah, I'm trying, I'm inspired by Tommy Thompson. Try to try to learn some Spanish. Okay. Tommy Thompson, you are an inspiration to us here in Minnesota. That's, yeah. that's good to know. Is he um, a fully midfielder? Does he count as a... <laughs> no, he's not, unfortunately, <laughs> but... <laughs> I was going to say, he's like a, he's like a, he's a straight up defender now, isn't he? He's played there once or twice, though, holding midfielder. All right. Well, he... Hold up. There you go. So. <laughs> Just any excuse, you know? Um, it's always good. <laughs> I guess the other thing as well, Steve, is we, we should spend a couple of minutes on this, shouldn't we? Um, I, I was um, I was satisfied, but not completely, by the ending of Game of Thrones as well. Oh, whew. You opened a... That was just a... You just opened a whole can of dragons right there. Um all right, give me your give me your quick take, and then I will try to keep. Oh, just just the, I I I understood the ending. I understood why they went that way. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I got it. <laughs> it took all my brain power. Congratulations. Um, like my I, daughter passing a spelling test. <laughs> Good job. I um I get why they went that way. I just didn't want that ending. Um, and so yeah, for anyone who hasn't watched the the episode, you know, spoiler, spoiler alert, So stop. switch off now. Yes. Um, you know, I I just wanted. Jon Snow to be the king of the seven kingdoms and everything. And that's what I thought. I thought they were going to go that fantasy way, but they sure. they didn't. Um, and uh, I'm okay with it. Uh, some of the other little things were a bit bizarre, like Bran becoming king, I thought was just utterly weird. And, yeah. and just so completely out of the box. 
Um, and yeah, I just, you know, I, I, I understood how they ended it. I'm at peace with it. But I just didn't like the way they got there as well. It feels like there's still a million questions that they haven't yeah. answered. I think it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, provided that George R. R. Martin completes the books. Uh, Martin gave them, you know, sort of the broad strokes of how he was going to end it. And then I think they sort of had to write their way to it. And so I've been sort of interested in these. I think that, like, the way things ended up is fine. The way they got there was rushed. Um, the way that the, the characters behaved was not consistent. They just sort of wanted to get them to certain positions, and, and they did that. Um, I thought it was beautifully shot. Uh, oh. I thought it looked great. I thought I thought certain. I thought some of the scenes were really good individually. Um, I, I've been interested by some of these theories that are coming out, which is like, imagine that this is the way everything ends, but what if there's a sort of different reason behind it? Mm. Um, I'll just throw one out there, and then we can move on to soccer, um, which is the idea that Bran is is king. Is like that's the way the books are going to end, but. This further wrinkle to it, which is this idea that perhaps uh, the three-eyed raven, Blood Raven, the the one who taught Bran, um, was a Targaryen. He also wanted the throne, and and he has been biding his time. And he actually moved into Bran. He essentially sort of warged into Bran, and is now Bran. So all the times when Bran is like, "I'm not Bran," it's like, "Yeah, he's not. He's not nobody. He's Blood Raven." And actually, by you know, sort of tricking everyone into installing him in the throne. They have now installed someone who's going to live for four thousand years <laughs> as uh, a despot of of the the you know the six kingdoms now. So, anyways, it's sort of an, there's some interesting theories out there like that. Some of that theory crafting stuff is kind of fun. I guess we'll find out if and when Martin releases you know puts out the final two books. Um, but you know, it's I, I'm sort of just sort of glad we can move on and talk about other things like yeah soccer. Let's talk about Columbus, um, the game against the crew. Let's begin with the end. Uh, I open at the close, uh, right. to quote Harry Potter. Uh, <laughs> let's begin with Ethan's game winner. Um, there, I think there are always times when the, the, the narrative of a game sort of fairly demands a big moment. Like we want it to mean something. And so, you know, we talked a lot about this with Ozzy's first game against, uh, Seattle. It didn't really, I mean, it was a great moment. Um, and it was fun to see Ozzy interacting with his teammates and things like that, but it didn't sort of lead to something like this. This was the big moment, you know, this is for, for Ethan to get his, it's his first goal since coming back from injury, um, against his former club and have it be the game winner. In front just, of the Wonderwall as well. Just poetry. The very definition <laughs> of perfection, in my opinion. Yeah. How can you not fall in love with football after that? Mm -hmm. My goodness, you know, I mean, that was just unbelievable. If, if any script was written, that was the absolute fairy tale moment for it. And right. I just, um, I, I just remember sort of blacking out slightly, if I'm being totally honest. <laughs> um, and uh, just being so, so happy for Ethan. Uh, yeah. You know, he's been through through a war zone personally over the last, you know, year or so after the ACL tear. And, um, you know, he's worked his way back slowly to what he can, can be. And I think there's more to come from him as well. Uh, you could tell as well it meant a lot to him. I think he was, after he eventually assembled out of a forest of teammates um after the celebrations he you could tell there was a a, a little tear on the way for sure so yeah. uh, just just a great moment for ethan finlay and um you know to have it assisted by his college teammate his his one of his best mates as well you know i remember saying a goal made in minnesota it absolutely was and um you know brent Carmen showed such maturity as well to play it back across goal. Yeah. And, and it just had to, didn't it? It just had to fall to Ethan Finlay. So um, glorious moments. And I, I doubt Ethan Finlay will, will ever, ever forget that. Yeah, it was, I mean, the thing about Ethan is he's a real fiery, hard-on-sleeve guy. 
he's sort of, um, you know, he has a sort of exterior of when you talk to him, he's very uh, well-spoken and thoughtful. He's one of my favorite players to talk to on the team because um, he does have, you know, he's done things like gone into the booth and, 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 and called games. I think that's one of his ambitions yep. post post careers to do that. He obviously has the capacity for it. It's fun because when you, like when I was talking to him before the Columbus game and I was talking about, you know, the, the challenges that Columbus presents and just sort of rattle off this thing, you know, he's like, you know, they have a lot of threats up front. Jesse Zardes, he's having a great year, 19 goals last year. Like he's got the, he knows mm-hmm. the, <laughs> he's got those stats and things like that. But underneath that is still a guy who's just, he burns hot. You know, and he talked about how he might have to sort of like tamp that down a little bit because he wants it to be, you know, he knows he can't just go out there and go for himself. He's got to be part of the team. Mm -hmm. But to do the work he did to be part of the team, to do the jobs he needs to do and then get that reward for it. It was really fun. I think it came out on on Twitter in the in the the tunnel after the game. He came in. He was just like, yeah, woo!" like, (laughs) you know, I'm bleeping out. Uh, I swear yep, there, but yep. it was like, he was just so amped up. It was great. It was just great to hear, you know, cause it's like, you don't always get that, you know, guys have gotten so good at, at being pros. Um, and it doesn't undermine their professional abilities or their professionalism that they're all also human beings who feel things like that. Oh, and I think absolutely. it was, it's just great to see sometimes that stuff overflow that human stuff. Like you said, this is, that's, that's what makes you a fan of this game is, is, yeah. is those moments like that. And that's that's what endears you to guys. So. Yeah, people forget at times that not just footballers but athletes in general are human beings. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's wonderful to hear the, the humanity and that side of things. Um, you know, when it comes to, to these reactions and, and games and whatnot. But what I love about Ethan is he, he does have this. Um, it, uh, let's describe. It's probably like blue collar brilliance. Like he's he he will absolutely give everything and more than he has and he's very good at doing that mm-hmm. whether that's as a player or when we had him on the broadcast to, to commentate with us for a little while the preparation that he'd done and everything you know he, he he just seems to put everything he has into whatever he's doing yeah and um he, he's such a tremendous asset to have um and i think if he wants he can be working in football for, for a very 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 long time um good looking guy too that's important He's ridiculously cute, isn't he? He's cute. I just oh, I remember <laughs> when he uh, when he came on to the uh, the FSM broadcast last year. I went back and watched the game, and I just thought to myself, for goodness' sake, yeah, uh, come on, yeah. you know, I I I found myself exceedingly uncomfortable standing next to him. Yeah, I was like, he's one of these guys where he's just good looking. Yeah, and it's annoying. Yeah, stop being so good looking. Right. I mean, it's one of those things. Like to give a shout out, like you know, I think for for Jamie Watson because, you know, he has overcome his hideous looks to succeed. I don't know about that. Still looks, he still just resembles a, an ogre from time to time. You know? <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, that like, he's not a good looking man, but he's still oh, sorry, pull, right. to pull it off. Is what I'm saying. So I, well, again, I, I think that's firmly debatable, but sorry. Right. <laughs> Anyways, um, let's talk about uh, the defense, because this is a mm. thing that's interesting to me, because I think that, you know, if we think back to the Toronto game, that was sort of a, um, come to whatever deity moment you want to, you want to call it for that um, resulted in a bunch of changes, uh, changing that back line and then a, a home stretch and it not conceding goals. And, Oh, this is, this is working. Then we had like uh, this other shakeup, right? You know, Ike was injured. He couldn't, he couldn't go. Um, Boxy stepped in after getting lambasted for a, a bad moment against Toronto and did a great job. Center backs are great. It was beyond admirable, yeah. in my opinion. He absolutely proved 
a lot of doubt is wrong because there were a lot of fingers pointed towards him. And quite rightly, after that Toronto game, even he will admit it wasn't his greatest game. Yeah. But that doesn't mean oh, he's a bad player. Right. <laughs> he yeah. just had a bad game. He was undergoing a, a, a rotten spell of form. Uh, maybe rotten's a little bit too harsh, but it, it wasn't his best. I think it was really, it was, an, it was an awful moment in a bad game that was sort of during a rough stretch where he had not mm. been sort of clicking entirely. Yeah. Um, and it sort of was the culmination of that. And I think that we talked about after, the, after that game that he was going to have some time to, to think about it and get his, his head right. And I think he's, you know, he's, he's done that. I think that sometimes fans can be a little quick to just say, well, he's not an MLS quality center back. Right, like, right. We, we need to get better. We need to – like, there's a little bit of a – it gets a little bit too panicky uh, sometimes in those, in those moments. And I think that you saw a situation where you have, you know, a roster of center backs now where you can move different guys in and that the, the defense standing tall is less about – I mean, obviously, there's still those individual – you need individuals to step up and play – but it's less about who exactly those individuals are and more about the entire team working together and being on the same page. By the way, shocker, soccer fans starting to panic. I know. It's just it, uh, around the world. It's just, I, I've got a friend of mine back home who's a Manchester City fan, a, a big Man City fan as well, who had the audacity to say to me about a month or so ago, he didn't think they were strong enough moving forward. So, mate, go, come on, for goodness' <laughs> what do you want? sake! <laughs> you've just thumped Watford six 0 in the FA Cup final. I know you've not gone to the Champions League final, which is the the ultimate for Manchester City and what they want. But sure. you've got a centre forward up front. You might have heard of him called Sergio Aguero. He's he's pretty good. He's not bad. He seems you know, all right. He may very well be the best centre forward in the history of Manchester City Football Club. Yeah. One of the very best the Premier League have ever seen. You've also got a fairly decent Brazilian called Gabriel Jesus underneath him as well. Who's not bad. <laughs> right. Leroy Sane can't get a game for you right now Kevin De Bruyne is wonderful Bernardo Silva forgive the the pun strikes gold every single week David Silva's not bad either how can you even think yeah. you're not good enough going forward you know so as I say look my point is here soccer fans always like a good wine yeah totally I think related to that I thought that that Adrian had a good point in the post game uh, press conference when he said that I mean basically just saying people are too quick to, yeah. to get to get nuts about this stuff that you know he's always been saying wait till the schedule evens out after this game against Houston Dynamo this weekend it'll be six home games to seven road games I think after three more games it'll actually exactly even out um you know fifth in the Western Conference uh Minnesota United is sitting, sitting right there I think that I mean and I think there's just you know I understand that sometimes I think people can sort of say well we can be better of course you can be better yep like, but it, you need to sort of think about within the context of what, what the teams are in the league, what, what the other players are, where they're, where they're at, like where you're at, what your aspirations are. You know, I think that you like the class of the league right now is probably LAFC. I mean, it's probably a lot. It's definitely LAFC. They have a 23 goal differential plus yeah. 23 goal differential. Um, Seattle, I think is right up there. They've, you know, yep. they've, they've fallen off a little bit, but I think they're right up there. Um, you've got some very, very good teams. Philly, I think, is showing themselves to be very good. Yep. Um, Houston, uh, their schedule is a little unbalanced. We'll get to them, but they are also showing themselves to be very good. Then there's like all you know, there's sort of these good but flawed teams like DC United has sort of started out like gangbusters, falling off a little bit. Uh, Red Bulls, uh, Atlanta started horribly, has looked better. Toronto looked good, has looked worse. You know, but they're all good but flawed. I think that tier is sort of our aspiration is like yeah. just sort of that. I think that, and I think that one thing to, to go to that is that, and we talked about this a couple of times, Darwin Quintero has still not been a hundred percent, you know, physically somewhat mentally. Also, I think he just hasn't locked in, you know, like, and some of that has been physical. He's dealt with a couple injuries. Um, some of that is, you know, he just hasn't quite hit 
he hasn't hit fifth gear in any game so yep. far. Um, if if we can get games of 100% of Darwin Quintero rather than 85% of Darwin Quintero, I think that I think that Minnesota United can get into that good but flawed under like sort of this the the second or third tier, depending on how you think about it. Yeah, it would be sort of the equivalent, I guess, would be trying to qualify for the top four in the Premier League, really, wouldn't it? You know, yeah. I think that's probably a, the best way to to compare. But yeah, look, I agree on on Quintero because I thought he looked a lot better, a lot sharper against Columbus. Yep, there was still elements of his game that just frustrate the living Christ out of me. But um, you know, <laughs> I thought he, he he showed glimpses of what we expect on a regular basis. Um, and I agree. I, I think we probably got about 75% of Darwin Quintero against Columbus Crew. And, mm -hmm. you know, you would only hope that it's going to get bigger and better. I think, as it does with any player, Steve, when you've got better players playing around you and players that suit you, you your um, natural ability does rise. I think having Kevin Molino playing with yeah. Quintero, it, it does help him a lot because he makes a lot of the runs that that sometimes people like Rasmus Schuler, sometimes Miguel Ibarra don't make. Mm -hmm. um, he, he knows if he slips the ball through, nine times out of ten, either Ethan Finlay or an overlapping Roma Metinair will will get there as well. So, um, you know, the intriguing thing I think now is is the, the combination between both him and, and Rodriguez has got to get better. Mm -hmm. um, Angelo has been fabulous uh, over the last couple of games. Um, I know he hasn't scored in four now, but um, we, we have said in this podcast many a time, I don't expect him to get 20 goals a season. I think he's one of these players that, as we have all obviously seen, he's, he holds the ball up and he, he plays it into the three behind him. Mm -hmm. um, you know, who, who, as I said, I think if if the combination of, of the three behind the forward, if it's, you know, four or five different players throughout the season, if they each get eight, nine goals a year, then great, no problem at all. And if Angelo um, contributes with you know, seven or eight, great, yeah. no problem at all. Um, so um, it, it's good going forward. And, and as you mentioned, defensively as well, I thought Minnesota perhaps looked about as solidified as they have done all season, you know, and this is without Ico Parra as well, remember. Right. So yeah. uh, who, who, look, I fully expect to come back into the starting 11 yeah. against Houston Dynamo. But, yeah. but look, I mean, credit where credit's due. I thought Michael Boxall did really, really well. I also thought Miguel Ibarra in a very new role for him as well. He hasn't played left back since 2016. That was just what I was about to segue into. So I think he, um, I think he certainly gave Minnesota an option. Was he perfect then? No, but he certainly gave Adrian Heath thoughts moving forward. You know, do you, do you think it can be more than a sort of an experiment or a change of pace? I do. You think you, you could, he could, I think he could play there. Yeah. I, th I think, you know, his, his main attribute is his, is his attacking attributes, if you will. Yeah. Um, he's a very good player going forward. Um, you know, he's very dynamic, very direct. Um, but I think if he learns, um, if he becomes a little more dif uh, disciplined on the defensive side of things, I see no reason why Miguel Ibarra can't move into this role. And it's interesting as well now because the one area where there is a little question mark more than more than other areas for the U.S. national team is at left back. Mm. Sure. So, I mean, the, the argument, counter-argument to that is Greg Garza, but, you know, Greg Garza is, is a good left-back. Is he the answer long-term? I'm not sure. Yeah, he's dealing with an injury right now. Yeah, right? and I'm not sure Miguel Ibarra is the answer long-term left-back for the U.S., but what he does is it gives them an option moving forward. Yeah. And look, look, we, <laughs> he's played one game there. Let's wait and see how it goes. If he plays there again, we'll wait and see. Um, but I, I certainly think moving forwards, if needs must... It's an option now that Minnesota United are much more comfortable with. Yeah. 
than I think they originally thought they would be. Well, and it's it, it provides a, a certain surprise value, which I think is is should not be underrated for a team. Again, like a middle tier team, which is where Minnesota United is right now, where you're not going to be able to just say, you know, LAFC is like, hey, we could do the same thing every week, and you can't stop us. You know, um, that's not where Minnesota United is right now. So the ability to to throw different looks out there to play to play the four two three one to play the four three three to play the three five two if necessary. To have, you know, Abu Dhabi start up top, to have, you know, switches, you know, to put Miguel Ibarra out wide. It, it just might, again, in soccer is a game where you win, you win by a goal. If, you, if, a t- if a team is surprising enough from jump that they can get a goal early, that could be the whole difference, you mm-hmm. know. So, you know, you get, if other teams can't quite know what you're coming out with, that's, that's, that's a boon to you. Yeah, absolutely it is. Absolutely it is. Any, any surprise tactic, that's that's always a good thing. So, um, I'm but, all for surprises. I mean, flea flickers in football, the fake corner kicks, anything. It's great. Like, yeah. Do all that stuff. Absolutely. More trick I, plays. I, I sort of expect you to start like you know playing with your fingers as you said. Then you're you're excited <laughs> for surprises. You know. I, I love I love <laughs> I love trick plays. I love cheekiness. So, uh, real briefly before we leave the game, uh, Columbus have now lost seven of their last eight. Mm-hmm. Um, they're. Not looking great. Missing missing defenders. You know, a lot of their their sort of uh, first choice defenders have been out with injuries. It, it seems like they're not really not getting those fullbacks forward in the same way. Um, sort of, I feel like this is sort of leaving Jossie Zardes a little bit more lonely than he should be out front. He looked like um, he was on an island, didn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, what do you think? What do you think Caleb Porter does? Um, what, what does he have to do to get this going? Well, like you said, they were missing some some important. Players, no doubt. Harrison a full is uh, a fabulous right back for them, and obviously Josh Williams is is good. Um, he's a Columbus Crew fan, which I love his story. By the way, he mm-hmm. had said he, he grew up watching Columbus Crew games, and then you know uh, went and signed for them. Then went off to play for NYC in Toronto, and then went back to Columbus. I love his story. But anyway, um, they're playing a midfielder. Head to Jimenez right now at left back, who has done an okay job. He's fine, but he's he's not a left back. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think. Um, I personally think they they miss Pedro Santos big time. Mm-hmm. Sure, uh, he fair. was away because of a family issue, uh, which is a real shame for him. And our best wishes go out to him and his family. Um, I thought Robinho looked quite tricky and quite handy. Guzman looked pretty decent. I Guzman think. is yeah. we you know what you get from David Guzman, and it's the reason why Caleb Porter signed him. Obviously, hold up, ish. Ish, because, <laughs> <laughs> because Will Trapp is the main holding midfielder. Well, yeah, okay. Now, I mean, yeah, he you wears know. the number six, but I felt <laughs> like Guzman was kind of playing that role. That kind of like you saw him doing some destroying work. I think in in the back. Oh, right, but not that doesn't necessarily mean he's a holding midfielder if he's destroying. Hold up. I give that crown to Will Trapp. <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> Will Trapp for me is supremely underrated, and and, and I really really like him. You're, you're looking at the button like you want me Wrong. to hit it for Will Trapp. Hold up. I think moving forwards, Will Trapp will be a continuous part of the national team roster. Not saying starting, but I know Greg Berhalter likes him a lot. Mm-hmm. Obviously, just had him at Columbus Crew for many a year. So, um, again, I thought uh, I thought he, he was good. I really, really did. Um, I, I thought Guzman was very much the box-to-box. Who, he throws himself around a lot, as you mentioned, you know. Um, he's a, he's uh, an abundance of energy. Um, but I, I got to say that the player who really impressed me for Columbus again, even at the age of 34, I thought was Federico Higuain. Yeah. Just still, he, he he's one of these players, he tends to float rather than run. Yeah. And still players can't get anywhere near him. Like, you know, he very nearly scored after ripping one from, from range and, and hitting the post. And, um, 
you know, I I still think he's just so good, you know. And, yeah. and uh, I thought, um, you know, I I thought he was a real treat to watch. I thought he was fabulous, but he was contained very well as well. You know, as he only got so far up the field. Uh, but yeah, Jassy Zardes for me was was contained magnificently by Michael Boxall and Brent Coleman. You know, and um, zero shots on target. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. I, I think Adrian said this. I don't I don't really remember. Manone having to make a proper save. There was one where he dove at the feet of a Columbus Crew player, but the, yeah. apart from that, there was nothing. Yeah, and it was the first time in MLS history that MNUSC was not allowed a shot on goal. So they allowed shots, obviously, but not Great on stats. goal. So. Can I steal that? Yeah, sure. Brilliant. Why not? It's, prob- it's probably <laughs> true. I'm probably, like, yeah. like 85 I'm, I'm going to check that just in um, case. <laughs> yeah, ask TJ about that. Um, let's uh, let's move it. Let's look at uh, Hertha BSA. Um, <laughs> yeah, getting better, yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> This is a game on Wednesday. Uh, it's an international friendly, first international friendly at Allianz Field. Um, obviously, it's going to be a little different than a regular game. Yep. Um, you know, as Adrian had pointed out, uh, there's even with sending guys to forward Madison, there are players who need time on the pitch. It's it's great to play against a, you know a foreign team. It's sort of it's sort of a new feel and everything like that. It's a chance to get minutes for guys. What, what do you feel like? What are the benefits of an international friendly? I mean, I sort of outlined the idea of getting some <laughs> minutes for guys there. Other benefits for for the club in terms of the international friendly, and then and then I think for fans also coming to Allianz Field for the first time to see a non MLS side. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, and it probably will be a rare opportunity for a lot of people who haven't had the chance to get to the stadium yet to come and see it, mm-hmm. but also come and see international European opposition as well. And look, Hertha were um, about as mid table as can possibly be in the Bundesliga this year. They finished 11th, mm-hmm. but I was, you know, plowing through the prep over the last few days and, and speaking to various contacts I have over in Germany and whatnot. And look, they're, they're a good Good side. I think the feeling was that they underachieved this year. Mm-hmm. They have a um, uh, a wily veteran up front, Vedad Ibisevic, uh, a Bosnia Herzegovina international who, who got ten goals this year. Um, you know, and 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 I think um, the supporting cast around him. Uh, many people listening to this may remember the name Solomon Kalou, who played for Chelsea for many a year. Um, got eight goals this year. Good player still. Um, Andrea Duda is uh, their number 10, who I expect to play as well. Um, so, look, it, it's, it's a chance to see some good European footballers. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of the Hertha individuals are looking forward to seeing the stadium. Um, apparently, that was um, quite the topic of conversation uh, in Berlin mm-hmm. uh, over this past weekend when the, the Bundesliga season finished. There was a lot of people talking about, oh, they're going to to Allianz Field, um, yeah. which is great. That, that's, you know, again, Minnesota United on the, the tips of tongues on, on the international footballing scene, which is great. Um, I, I'm just looking forward to it, Steve. It, it, it's going to be great. Um, I haven't commentated on a Bundesliga game for, for a couple of years now, so I'm certainly looking forward to that aspect of things. How's your, pronunci- how's your player pronunciation work? Great. Are, are you, like, in front of a mirror, like, like reading things? I, I've, like? I've, so, again, fortunately, been using a lot of contacts, and, and I've been given the password to the Bundesliga portal, yes. which is great. So I've right. been going through that. and um, You get to hear the players say their own names. Yes, which, which is, is nice. great. Like, yeah. uh, there was one, um, uh, an international teammate of Jan Gregush, uh, Slovakian international, uh, Peter Pekarek. Pekarek. Who, uh, that's one of the easier ones. Okay. Uh, <laughs> So, um, yeah, there's there's some... Do you know what? It, it's more the names look intimidating. When you hear the name actually said, it's it's actually fine. There's not too many of them that are yeah. really tongue-twisting, to say the least. Well, and there's some there's some trickiness. I remember just thinking about Jan Gregush and how, like, the, the discussion over his... Like, I feel I still feel like <clears throat> I've settled into how, how I pronounce his name, and it's still not quite exactly right, mm. and I don't know that it ever will be. Sure. Um, but, you know, 
it, you can get you can get reasonably close, do a decent job, but then you find that there's sometimes there's an eight, you look at a name like Grey Goose, you're like, oh, that's easy. Mm. You're like, eh, there's a little there's a little weirdness to how it's pronounced. Yeah. It's sort of got a very the second G is kind of very soft. I feel like yes, yes, it's it sort of disappears and then the 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 oosh, it's just sort of evaporate off your tongue. You know, I I completely agree with that. Grey Goose. Um, that's like that's how he sort of yeah. Slightly seductive there when you say that, by the way. Let's know. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the challenge. I mean, the challenge is there's there's some. I'm sure there's some, there's some long names you're gonna. Have. I looked at their uh, roster, so uh, good luck. Good luck with that. Um, do you have any other little nuggets about Herta like that you found in your 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 reading on them? I personally, the thing that I found interesting is that you think about. Um, Again, to speak a little bit to the panic or the moments of like, what is, you know, the. the what are we doing? What are we doing? Moments for uh, Minnesota United and, uh, you know, like, what is what is going on with this team? We haven't seen anything happen. It's been three years. What is, you know, um, looking back at Hertha and seeing like, well, you know, they have, they won back to back championships in 1930 and 1931. Right. <laughs> You're like, they've been around for a while. Uh, you know, maybe. <laughs> It's a long road. So, uh, yeah, they're like 127 years old or something like something that. Something along those lines. Your math is probably better than mine. It's ridiculous. Um, so, I don't know. Did you, I, In your research, have you turned up any 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 fun little things uh, about you that? You know, I mean, there's a couple of different things which I won't bore the audience with now. They'll, they'll have to tune into FSM Plus to hear it. Um, there you go. So, I, um, you know, I, I think the one thing which I noticed was that they had a brief spell in the second division when they were relegated. Mm -hmm. And for Hertha to be relegated is... Is a big no-no. That that shouldn't happen. A club of, of that size. By no means are they a, a powerhouse, but they are a big club in a big city. Yeah. So for them to be relegated is is eyebrow raising for sure. And they only had a, a brief stint away from the Bundesliga. This is now their sixth consecutive season in the German top flight. It's exactly where they should be. The other thing I did notice themselves, they're actually due for a new stadium as well. Ah. So um and it's not going to be until 2025. Right. Because they're playing in the Olympic They are playing the in the stadium. Olympic Stadium. Olympic Stadium. <laughs> they're playing in the Olympic Stadium, yes. All right. Uh, um, and um, could I get any more pretentious, by the way? That's just I love it. I love it. It's it? great. So they're playing in the Olympic Stadium. And uh, that's a big that's a big venue. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 <laughs> it is. It's huge. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think it's 70,000 or, or yeah. somewhere. And they, they, more than often than not, they sell it out as well. So yeah. again, just another indication of of this this team, and 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 you know they are a big team in a big city in in Europe. And uh, I've heard Berlin is amazing, also. Like I've not been, place. but man, I I've heard it's just a great city. So I think um, they're going to be quite surprised. I saw they were touring the. A um, couple of the sports venues today as well. Uh -huh. uh, so I think they're going to be quite surprised with Minneapolis as well. And, and look, I hope they go and have a look around. Uh, I know they're doing a couple of different activities today on, on the okay. Tuesday. And then, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate enough we're going to get to see them train on Wednesday, which I'm looking forward to. Oh, and have, fun. A, have a chat with a couple of their players and whatnot, which is a, <laughs> a big, big no-no in European football. You don't get to do that at all. No, so uh, we're opportunity. Yeah, very excited about that. Um, so, uh, no, I, look, I mean... Um, I could easily see why people would think that this is a game that would be in the way. But no, I think it's a good opportunity to to showcase Allianz Field, yeah. to show, um, as far as I'm aware, you know, all of our stuff is going to be going out in Germany as well. So it's a good opportunity to to show what Minnesota United are all about. The show. Yeah. I'll have to learn how to say Juicy Lucy in German. Um, <laughs> uh, let's look ahead to Houston also, because we're not going to get another podcast in before this game happens. Um, Houston, 
looking really good. Uh, again, that schedule is a little un, a little unbalanced. They're unbeaten at home, but they played eight home games, only three games on the road. They've lost two of those games. So, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so they're getting on the road here uh, into a stadium that is quickly becoming a fortress, mm. uh, you know, allowing one goal in the last four games. But, I mean, you're still dealing with an incredible attack. That three-headed attack for Houston is, is really dangerous. I was talking to Brent earlier this week <clears throat> asking about, you know, like what is this, what do, you, what do you have to deal with against Houston? He was talking about, you know, especially on the road, they really want to counterattack. So they will drop deep, but leave two of those three guys up top and ready for them to get out and run and get on their bikes and head down the field. So, uh, you know, he was talking about it, you, it's sort of counterintuitive, you know, in some ways you think you should sit back to stop that from happening, but you really want to push up and make them, you know, have to work to stay on side and stuff like that. What are, I mean, what do you see as, as the signal difficulty in facing this Houston side? It, well, as you mentioned, it's a three-headed monster moving forward for them. And, and I wonder, you know, if I'm Adrian, I, uh, I actually tell the, the back line to drop off a little bit this game. I, I actually say just remain deep. Bunker a little bit. Sort of, yeah. I, I just just because they can hit you on the counter so quickly. Yeah. And the way that the Minnesota United <laughs> fullbacks go as aggressively as they do, I can just see um, Kyoto, but especially Elise uh, getting in behind. You know, Elise is just an absolute menace. He really is. And, yeah. and, and he's fabulous to watch. And look, I, I say this with all due respect, I'm really surprised he's still with Houston Dynamo. I know there was some major serious interest in him in the offseason. Yeah. Um, I mean, he might not be after <laughs> Well, <laughs> in the yeah. next little bit. So. But but I, I had heard there were one or two Premier League teams that were, were having a real look at him. Um, and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up somewhere else in the near future. So let's enjoy him in the league while we have him. But yeah. the other one as well is is Manotas, who sort of came out of nowhere. You know, he was playing in Colombia. I remember the day they signed him a couple of years ago. And I thought to myself, who on earth is this little Colombian kid? <laughs> and I think he was like 19 when they signed him. And um, he's just developed into a fabulous centre forward, you know. And and, and he's, um, he's going to be a real problem for Minnesota, no doubt, because his movement off the ball is really, really good. And also that the one thing which, you know, we talk about this fabulous three up front all the time, the one thing people often forget is Thomas Martinez underneath them as well, who has been yeah. wonderful, you know, a little Argentine designated player who often is is the the reason why these these three um, start their attacks because he, he springs them more often than not and, and plays these lovely little three balls through and, and he sort of waits for, for the front three to... Um, maneuver enough to, to create a gap of some sort from whatever the opposing back line is and then he, he springs and plays the ball through you know and um, fabulous reader of the game really really good and um, yeah look no, no doubt they're a, they're a really good side I'm also looking forward to seeing DeMarcus Beasley as well it will be his last time right. that we'll we'll get to see him in Minnesota anyway you know um, he's uh, first time at Allianz last time at Allianz yeah grand opening grand closing yeah <laughs> Um, I wish I knew the lyrics to the rest of the song there, but um, <laughs> um, he, he is the the epitome of, of US soccer legend. He really is. I think that that term is used far too commonly nowadays. And um, I call Kobe Jones a legend. That's probably fair. That's right? probably absolutely okay. that's true. Um, fair, but he, to my knowledge, the only US player to have played in four World Cups, and I think let's be honest as well. If the U.S. would have qualified in 2018, it may very well have been five. He may sure. he may have been on that roster. Yeah, um, and uh, I'm sure there are people scoffing at that suggestion. But no, I think uh, uh, with the experience he has, I'd have certainly have taken him because he had a really good year for the Dynamo as well. So, and, and with left back being a little precarious for the U.S., I, I certainly would have taken him. So, um, I'm looking forward to seeing him. Um, 
hopefully we've got the request in. Hopefully he's going to be our pre-game interview oh, fine. as well. So that'll be good. Want to hear what someone like him has to say about the stadium? Yeah. So um, yeah, look, it's it's going to be good. The Dynamo, I don't think have surprised anybody. I think they've satisfied. I think people expect them to be sort of where they are in the top three for the Western Conference. They've quietly put together a really strong roster. Mm-hmm. And look, for me, this year, absolutely are a playoff team. Yeah. They're the kind of... I feel like Houston is the kind of team that I would make playing FIFA or, or Pro Evo or something like that, where you've really got this, like like that, that solid number 10, mm-hmm. you know, giving it out to three guys up front who are all fast and all dangerous goal scorers. You know, it's like you want all those guys. And so that's, that's very dangerous. I think that... I'm sort of curious what you think about Minnesota United's um, defensive stand that they've had at home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as Allianz Field is, it was being built, and as we were talking about it, we're like, it should be a fortress. It should be a fortress. It should be a fortress. It should be, you know, this is this is what we want it to be. Like, is this sustainable? I mean, is this really an identity of the team? Do you think that what is what is allowing for this? this run of one allowing one goal in four games, which is which is ludicrous if you think about Minnesota United in the previous two years in, <laughs> in <Yep>. MLS. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, no doubt Brent Coleman is, is, in my opinion, probably playing the best soccer of his career right now. It's, it's fair. Um, having Ico Parra there helps. Um, you know what I'm like? Before the back line even are troubled, they have to go through a rather robust holding midfielder. Yeah. And for me, Alonso just tidies up so much. The suggestions, now that I think about it, the suggestions in the off-season that he couldn't play at this level anymore. Yeah, right. Are just <laughs> beyond ludicrous, right? Yeah. I mean, for goodness sake. And um, I, I get why the Sounders moved on from him. You know, they had Svensson, they've got Roldan. Um, I, at some I, point, you have to turn the page. I understand. Yeah. Any team, it's like, that doesn't mean he's not useful for another team. <laughs> Um, but I understand the perspective of, you know, at some point you have to move on or risk holding on to something too long. Correct. So. And and he's just, he's been magnificent. And, and aren't we fortunate to be the recipients of of him and um, and his fine form that he's in right now? You know, and uh, you know, I don't know if people know, but against Chicago, he wasn't very well at all. He right. was ill all night, was throwing up and everything. And I still thought. Even at a 75% Aussie Alonso, I still thought he was good. You know, yeah. he wasn't great. Nobody was that day, but he still gave a good account of himself. And, you know, against against Columbus, again, I thought he was fabulous. Yeah. I really, really thought he was great. And it just shows how important having someone like that is in your in your team, not only on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah. We, we see him in training most days, don't we, Steve? And, and, and seeing him, um, you know, sort of demanding the absolute best from everybody. And it's only a five-a-side game. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He gets annoyed when people lose the ball in, in a little scrimmage session and whatnot, you know? And yeah. uh, just having a character like him and a presence like him is so vital for any team in world football. And we're so fortunate we have him here at Minnesota. And just such a, an assured captaincy from him, you know, like to to, to take, take on that role without any fanfare or any, there's no flash or anything to it. He's, he's, he's worn the armband before uh, he knows what to do. Uh, he's probably doing a lot of that stuff already, even without doing it. Um, but it's just, it, it's, it's imbued a sort of certain steadiness into the team that I think is really, it has been really great. Um, and I think that the, I don't want to, I, I certainly don't want to undersell the, 
the contribution of of the Wonderwall and the supporters also, I think. In oh, that, absolutely. In that home, that home stadium. So I think that that is, that is one thing that his the, the stadium is still being broken in to a certain extent. It's fun to watch that happen because there's a thing that's happening. There's so much that happened that first game. That was like the first time these things happened. And then there's the first goal and there's the first win. And there's the, there's sort of all this stuff, but I do feel like I'm perceiving the supporters beginning to sort of understand the ebb and flow and the feel of the building. And, you know, I think that there was sort of a run of home games um, that where they sort of started to, we weren't scoring the Minnesota United was not scoring goals. And so it sort of felt got a little flat last game against Columbus. It came back really strong. I just felt like the robustness of that support can't be undersold as a part of what is making that stadium a hard place to play. I think it's, it's going to make it harder and harder for opposing teams. And I think it's making Minnesota United feel more and more comfortable. I really feel like the, the the guys on the pitch have a better sense of, you know, it's interesting. I saw a couple of guys I talked to, we're talking about just comfortability with like the dimensions with knowing how much space you have, you know, every soccer field, there's, there's sort of a, there's sort of a, a margin of error, right. That you can be within 95 to 104, whatever it is yards. Like, so like wide, and there's sort of different widths and there's NYCFC is extremely narrow. You know, there's sort of these different things you learn. There's the backdrop. There's what you see behind you as you get comfortable with that. Looking up at the wonder wall is, is, is difficult, but as players get used to it, it becomes an advantage for a home team if they know how to deal with that. So yeah. I, I think that that is, extremely fun to watch happen over time just to get the feel that the stadium is really, it was built to make a feel, but it's also developing a sort of organic feel, which is great. It is. And the fans support is infectious. It, it really, really is. And um, what I love more than anything about the Minnesota United experience, we'll call it that, shall we? Um, is the blue collar nature of it. Uh, and I'm talking about, you know, Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but the Twin Cities and the state of Minnesota itself seems like a very no-nonsense, blue-collar, we-get-things-done type city. I think so. You know, type state, rather. I mean, um, on weekends, we like to hang around, but... You know, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't <laughs> like to get out right I mean. away. No, I know what you mean. <laughs> um, and I, I feel as though that that is infectious um, on the field and off the fields. No no doubt there are, and I'm, by all means, I'm not... I hope I'm not being offensive anyway by saying that. I... You know, there are elements of, of first-class quality. Our fans fit into that. Our stadium fits into that. And, and you know, some of our players, a lot of them, you know, I would I would argue aren't blue-collar in terms of the fact because they're a li- little bit more flashy and, and they um, have, you know, wonderful technique. Not that you can't if you're not blue-collar, but you, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's a very intriguing time to be a Minnesota soccer uh, fan and... and and a very intriguing time for this team as well. Like, I do think that right now, Minnesota United have those sprinklings of quality that they have lacked mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. But there is still this blue-collar nature about them, this work-hard nature. A lot of that comes from Adrian Heath as well and, and the way that he holds himself and, and, and the standard he holds his players to as well. I don't think that's that's bad at all. You know, I really don't. And... Um, I, I really, really think that uh, a lot of teams coming into Allianz Field will find that out and find it out the hard way. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us for the 58th Sound of the Loons podcast. Minnesota United's next game is on Wednesday, May 22nd, uh, hosting the Bundesliga's Hertha BSA, or Hertha Berlin, as we say around here, <laughs> uh, in the first international friendly at Allianz Field at 7 p.m. Houston is going to come here on Saturday, May 25th. That game is also at 7 p.m. Both those games will be on Fox Sports North. 
Uh, Cal is going to be calling one of them in German also, I believe, right? It's a simulcast. So, And uh, Houston is going to be on Score North for listening. No no radio no for, radio for, for Erta. Um, be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes, or at the very least, a five-star rating. And follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC. You can follow Cal at CalWilliams.com, and you can follow me at Steve Venturis. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you, and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>